Good morning. My name is Justin Westcott. This is Jeff Wall. We are two of the elders of Soma Federal Way that have the privilege of being um, some care from an uh, external case for this church during this time. And so uh, before, as the kids leave, I want to just remind you of what Alex was just praying, the idea of hope. That This is the first Sunday of Advent. And the reminder that our hope is not in anything but in Jesus himself. And so uh, I'm going to actually ask, we're going to pass the giving buckets. And this is just a, a quick reminder. I know many do this online. This is a reminder for us as people that we are, our hope is not in our bank accounts. It's not in how much we make. That we get to be generous so that the hope that we have in Jesus has an opportunity to be extended elsewhere. So I'm going to pray uh, for the offering. And then we're just going to give a little bit of an update on of some care things and some uh, what we like to call family business moving forward. So let me pray. Father, thank you that our hope is in you, not in what we have, not in our circumstances. Our hope is in you, Jesus, and you alone. So God, as we have the opportunity to be generous with what you've been generous with towards us, we pray that you give those that spend it wisdom on how to extend your kingdom, that you help our hearts realize and know that we only cling to you for hope. And so help us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Morning, family, old friends, new friends, yet to be new friends, I hope. Um, so I was reflecting this over Thanksgiving you know, it's kind of been a little bit of whiplash, memorial, graveside last week, Thanksgiving, a lot of stuff going on in uh, my head. And uh, so as I received comfort and encouragement, I just wrote down some things that I thought I would share that perhaps would be encouraging to you. So, so far we've had four guided sessions of, um, of group grief and uh, led by Greg Moore. We're having another one Tuesday night, and those have been very helpful. And one of the first things he said was, um, you don't have to say anything, but if you do, I promise you that what you have to say will help the person on the other side of the room. And I, I've been amazed how that has proven to be true, how the Lord has used one person to help another. And so if you haven't been to one, uh, again, Tuesday night, is just another scheduled one. And I kind of need to know if you might come because we've realized 20 is about the best size. A little bit more could be okay. And so if we perhaps had 20 more, more than 20, I need, need to find another room for Tuesday night or schedule another one. So um, if you haven't been to one and, and you're still a little stuck and you need you feel the need to process, uh, I really encourage you to try to make it. Now, we had all day, day sessions the first week. This is our first evening session. Thank you for whoever suggested that. Uh, could I just see a show of hands of who might come? You don't have to, it's not a commitment, but if you, I can't see out there. Can somebody just give me, like, are we looking at about 20 people? Okay. Okay, so, so, um, uh, that doesn't have to be our last and only. Missional community leaders, now that we've been through these guided sessions, 
you can do this with a few tools that I can help you with, and I'm going to be out here afterwards, but I can help you walk your MC through what we do, and uh, really it's just setting it up in a safe place, pledging confidentiality, uh, a little bit of reference, um, context uh, that we go through regarding Randy that's helpful, and then we just share, and uh, it's been very helpful. So if missional community leaders, if you're wondering what to do, that's a good, th a good step forward. And if, if your MC is beyond that, just pray. Just get together and pray. And, and many of you have come in. Um, it was a little bit hard last week because I didn't ask for appointments. And so some people came in when I was with somebody. And then there was a couple people, you know, that I couldn't get to. So I'm going to be there all this week. And if you'd like to set up an appointment, feel free. Um, but there's, there's care being given. That's what's encouraged me, the care that you've given one another. And so many people have said, what can I do? So here's three things you can do. My goal was to call every one of you on the phone and ask two questions. How are you doing? And are you in a place with other people to process? So if you could look through your phone of whoever you have a contact in, uh, it, Soma, and you would pray for those people in your contact, and perhaps give them a call, an email, or a text, and ask those two questions. And I don't care if you get five people texting you, like, are you okay? I think that's the body of Christ at work. So that's one thing you could do to help is, especially if you know if somebody's grieving alone, or they feel alone, now's the time that, um, that we can be the church together. And trust me, you don't have to be a counselor. You don't have to have a book. What the Lord is passing through your life and how you're processing, that's what's helpful. So be encouraged that, that God will use you to help somebody. Um, listen, ask questions. Your presence, it's the gift of presence that's more, more than helpful. That's really all I'm doing when I'm meeting with people. It's a gift of presence and process. So that's one Two um, is, so take care of yourself, draw close to the Lord, um, two, look for other people, and three, pray. So I was just praying with the group outside. We're a desperate church right now. That is a very good place to be. Um, and pray, um, if you pray three minutes a day, triple it, pray nine. Pray 9, pray 27. It will matter. I have, people from around the country have been praying for me, and I can tell. And so on that list, start with yourself, start with your family, start with your children. We had a, a Sunday night, or Monday night, we had Chris Cole come and help uh, parents uh, be equipped with their children. It was very helpful, and I can share that with you, too. Just because you missed it, um, we can still provide that care for you. But I gave you three quick, quick tips last week. Uh, I went over uh, Tuesday morning to my daughter's house, who lives next door. We have an autistic grandson, and we help with him. And I was over there, and his older brother, Parker, who's 10, he said, um, Papa, I'm sorry you lost your friend. And he doesn't know Randy. 
And uh, I said, Parker, thank you for saying that to me. It, f it feels so good that you would say that. And I went over and gave him a hug. And I said, Parker, what do you understand what happened? And he says, well, I know that Randy's with Jesus. And I said, that's true. He is. And he says, and I know his children don't have a home anymore. And I said, I got a chance to correct that. His little mind thought that when dad's gone, that I guess they don't have a bed. So I got to share that and, and, and process with him and open the door for more questions. And that's one of the things the, the, the person on Monday night helped us with. I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not been there Monday night. So it was very helpful. And um, uh, so I just share that with you as, as an encouraging, because I know that all of you have stories like that. And that's what you want to share with people, is how the, how the Lord has comforted you in, in ways that you didn't expect. Um, so Tuesday night, 7.30. Um, for the most, I'll just address this tension. Uh, most people are okay coming to that office. Um, and we're, we're downstairs and we have those sessions there. But I get it. If that's not a safe place for you, then we'll find another place, whether it's meeting with any of us or during these sessions. Um, here's another thing I've observed sitting down with people, <clears throat> that when we're grieving, we're grieving the past, the present, and the future. And, and that, bundling that, is, is almost too much. So here's, here's how I have been comforted. I'm just going to share this with you. So I was here in the beginning with, with many of you, and I understand the gr grief of losing Abe and Jeff and Dawson and David Achata and Todd Moore and, and then others amongst us who have left. When we brought Numa down here to Tacoma, pretty much everybody didn't make, didn't make the transition. And Karen and I were saying, is there a soft pew somewhere that we could go sit in? And what God did, we just are so thankful that we got to be a part of it and endured through that. And so I share that grief with you that now Randy's gone. And you, you, you bundle those together. And it, it's hard. Um, and I just want to, regarding the past, I think we are all, the Lord drew us here together because the vision that was cast was for people who don't know Jesus. We all were in on that. And like the early church, we've paid the price for that. And it's comforting to me to think of the saints before us that are saying, welcome to the club. It, we, we knew what we wanted. We didn't know how much it would cost. And so um, that comforts me. That God bats a thousand. He, he has never not come through. Throughout time, the early church, the dark ages, the, the reformation, the ch birth of church in America, the struggles that we've had and where we are today. He'll, I, I'm confident uh, that in him. And he has provided for us and he will continue to provide for us. 
And then our, our grief today with Randy. Now, here's what I've seen. I'm amazed of how hard he worked and how hard, how much he loved us. I'm amazed. And I'm also amazed of how much you love him. And there, there might be some challenges here, but I'll tell you what there's not here. There's no shortage of love in this church. That's really encouraging. Um, and then the future, grieving of what's to come. I know the ground is a little unsteady on us right now. We're a desperate church. It's a great place to be. I want to call you to pray and give us room to heal, give us room to organize, give us room to think, to pray, speak into it. I, am, I believe that the strength of this church is right here. It's not out there. It's right here. And how we organize it and deploy those gifts will take discernment and care. And so I really ask for your prayers. For as Justin gathers the staff when they're ready, and, we, and he gently carries them through thinking, and he's good at this. He's good at a thousand spinning plates. Um, it's going to take some time. And so if you're trying to decide what should I do, I, I believe your best care, your best place for your soul is right here. And for us to come together and care for one another and see what God's going to do, I really encourage you to give that time. Um, just a little longer than I told him it would be. Uh, get a, a caring person with a disorganized mind is a dangerous thing. Uh, 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 let's see. Some questions that have come up. Uh, George, George's appoint, uh, installation as an elder. Nothing has changed with George. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna f form this together and go forward. George and Monica have have been so humble and so caring, and I'm so thankful he's here. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna try to do this together going forward. So nothing has changed with George. If that's a question, like. Uh, What's I guess somebody asked that, so I just, in case somebody has another question, um, uh, we're so thankful that he's at the table and in the process of, of going through with us together. Um, so yeah, we're giving, um, you know, Tim, Mark, Brittany, Lisa, and others space to heal and, and care. We've got people helping us. Those of you who are stepping up, thank you. If you've got capacity to help in ways you haven't, yeah, feel free to step up. But again, you've heard we want to give you your space. Um, I guess that's it. Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for our church, your church that we get to join you in. And Father, may our uh, desperation be turned to you and we know it honors you. And may uh, our care for one another be, um, be intentional. May it be prayerful. And uh, Father, um, may, we, may we live out 
the things that Randy taught us, you taught us through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Jeff. Brendan, you can come on up. Um, just so uh, we communicated this last week, we just want to make sure we're clear. Jeff is the shepherd of shepherds, if I could say it that way. Um, he, he cares tremendously, and so he's really going to be leading um, in the care. So if there's any questions about care, making sure people are cared for, if there's anybody you're concerned about falling through the cracks, questions about point people, the grief uh, time, Jeff is going to be the one that's on our team that's really doing that. I um, f- hold the corresponding position to Randy in Soma Federal Way, so leading our st- uh, team, um, leading in vision and strategy. And so for the next 10 weeks, my responsibility is the gatherings, making sure that they're um, staffed and cared for. I do want to give uh, Jim a shout out. Resurrection Church is serving you like crazy, just so you know. Um, they are good brothers and sisters in the city. I think they have 10 people serving the kids today. They're helping organize scheduling and systems that Tim was a master of, they're helping with. And so I want to just thank you for doing that and serving this church family well. Um, so if you have any questions about gatherings, potential long-term questions, please direct them my way. The other Justin on our team, you've been getting his amazing emails. He is the wordsmith of wordsmith. If you aren't on the, that email list, I, I let me know and I will get that. You make sure that you're on that. If you're not reading them, I encourage you to read them. He is amazing at um, being theologically grounded and caring in the midst of this, and that's his way of serving in the midst of this. And we also have two other elders that are going to probably be mostly with Soma Federal Way. And so please, if you have any questions, let us know. We want to care for you. And after the gathering, we do have a meal planned for today. Reality Church of Olympia is sponsoring a meal for you afterwards. So don't run away when you're done uh, in the cafeteria like it was two weeks ago. There will be a meal, an opportunity, just a chance for you to come together and eat with one another, laugh, grieve, pray, to be with one another. So that will be right after the gathering. With that, I want to invite Brandon. Um, this brother is going to be praying for, uh, preaching to us, and so I want to pray for him. Uh, Randy had this time for Brandon a uh, sign, and we wanted to make sure that uh, Randy's wishes and Brandon's opportunity was here. So will you join me in praying for him as he opens up the word to us um, and proclaims Jesus. So Father, thank you for Brandon. Thank you for what you're doing through us, in us, and to us. God, I pray as he has prepared this time for Advent, the prayers of Christmas, that God, you speak boldly through him, that Spirit, you do only what you can do, and that's change the hearts of those of us that will be listening. God, I pray that what you deposit into us through Brandon will bring fruits, that it will draw us closer to you, it will draw us closer to one another, and give us a compassion and heart for those that don't yet know you. So Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Oh. Yeah, I forgot something. <laughs> oh, mic's off. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so, um, one of the things the counselors told us was, if there's a question that's raised by the children in their min- uh, out there and, and a, t- uh, a leader hears a question about suicide, a question about Randy, a question or a statement that they are being coached to try to write it down and hand it to you parents, okay? Just so you know that might come. That, that's... That's what we believe the right thing to do. Now, if you need help with that, ask. But that, 
Not, there might be only one or two ever, I don't know. But uh, that's what we've told the, uh, the care team out there with the parent, uh, kids is to uh, give it to you as parents. Thank you. Do you want to take that back? Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Hey, good morning, family. It's good to be with you. A uh, couple things before we really jump in today. I want to thank Janice Odeman and Peter Rebick. Janice kind of set up the stage for us, and then Peter did the awesome graphic. So thank you, guys. Appreciate you. <laughs> I think these, like, visual cues really just bring us in to this season of Advent, and so I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, second thing, I just wanted to be honest with where I am this morning, uh, feeling equal parts hope and heaviness, that I am very hopeful and have been so comforted uh, with you, family, that there's been so much comfort, so much love, so much joy together as a family that I, that I looked forward to being here this morning with you, uh, and also heaviness that um, I miss my friend, and uh, just spent kind of the morning crying and weeping over not having kind of an emphatic nod coming from this direction this whole time, you know, to, to have that encouragement in my older brother and my mentor. So just, yeah, wanted to own that this morning. Love you, and I'm glad to be here with you. I've just been, uh, just like my wife was saying, Alex, that I'm so thankful for Emmanuel, that God is with us. Um, no matter where you are today, that is truth. He is with you. Whether you are experiencing that or feeling that or not, that is the truth, that he is with you. I'm going to read Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 again. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. 400 years. There were 400 years of waiting for God's people from the last prophet Malachi to the birth of Jesus. 400 years of clinging to this, to clinging to the promise that God will restore his people, that God will Bring about a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. Sometimes when we read the Bible, it can feel like a constant stream of miracles. That kind of in this condensed history of God rescuing his people, it's just, yeah, miracle after miracle. That it's only a few pages from God freeing the Israelites from captivity, to him parting the Red Sea, from him doing X, Y, Z throughout the Bible, that it can feel like it's just constant miracles. And we forget that there were 400 years of longing, of waiting. 
And that's important for us in this Advent season because Advent is accompanied with that longing, that waiting. Um, that, yeah, that there is this kind of, from those prophets to the book of Luke that we'll be reading from this morning, 400 years between the last time God's people heard from God through a prophet, 400 years of silence. And as we look at Zechariah's story today in Luke chapter 1, um, we're going to see and we're going to talk about belief and unbelief. In the prayer of God, I believe, help my unbelief. So God's people began to drift away during these 400 years. I mean, imagine, God's people saw multiple rulers come into power. Uh, at the birth of Jesus, a ruler, Herod, was, was reigning, and he was an evil man and was slaughtering children. Imagine being God's people during this time that with every shift in government, you're going, is this the Messiah? Is this what Isaiah was talking about? Is this the one that the government is going to be on his shoulders? No, it's not. You know, like, oh, no, that wasn't him. Oh, no, that wasn't him. So God's people are falling away. We've seen the temple, the center of Jewish worship, was partially destroyed and rebuilt a half dozen times since the close of the Old Testament. It was not just 400 years of silence. It was 400 years of displacement and discomfort. His people, God's people, were asking, God, are you with us? God, are you for us? Are we doomed? God's people longed for Advent, for the coming of the Lord. And imagine the commingling of belief and doubt in God's people during this time. There's a definite connection for us today, right, Soma? That we may be asking those same questions. God, are you with us? God, are you for us? Is Soma Tacoma doomed? <laughs> Is God going to come through? Are you going to care for your people, God? Advent means coming. Early Christians would speak of the advent of our Lord and also of his second advent, his second coming. The first phrase speaks of the Son of Man, Jesus of Nazareth, and his arrival. That he came and he dwelt among us. He came and he dwelt with his people. The second advent refers to Jesus' promise to come back a second time. In Acts 1.11, we see that this Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So this month, we're going to talk about advent. Today, we're going to talk about how, how to see, today we're going to see how God uses an unlikely couple to start off the story of advent, to start off the coming of Christ and how that can be incredibly comforting for us today as people that don't have it all together, as people that in one hand might be holding belief and in another might be holding some disbelief, some doubt. And during this Advent series, we're going to walk through different prayers that we see God's people praying in Scripture, praying in the Bible. Today, our prayer is, God, I believe, help my unbelief. And the main point I want to make today the main takeaway here 
is through Jesus, we have a God who can handle and heal our unbelief. Through Jesus, we have a God who can handle and heal our unbelief. We're going to see this through the story of Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, and his mother Elizabeth, that our hearts can hold both unbelief and belief at the same time. So Luke 1, if you want to turn with me there, it starts off in an unexpected way, not with the birth of Jesus or with the start of Jesus' ministry, but with a family, John the Baptist's family, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Buckle up, it's going to be a long read, but it's a good one. (laughs) In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. That's a nice way to say they were old. (laughs) Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. That's a good husband. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Don't forget the context here because it's important. 400 years of silence from God. God's people drifting away, forgetting the promises of God. 
but the camera zooms in on two unassuming people that the Bible tells us remained faithful and were considered righteous by God. Zechariah means the Lord remembers. Elizabeth means, that name means, my God is an oath. So if you're expecting, those are two good options. <laughs> and so it's important to look at this faithful family, a family that clung to God and his promises, that believed he would make good on his promise, and yet had unbeliefs. We just read that Zechariah responded to Gabriel the angel, and how shall I know this? And then Gabriel pressed the mute button on him. What can we learn from this? We learn that belief and unbelief can both exist in our hearts. That in Soma Tacoma, as we feel all the feelings, all of the emotions on the, on the emotional spectrum, as we feel sorrow, hope, joy, sadness, comfort, doubt, that God is with us. And it is his faithfulness that we cling to. We celebrate the advent, the coming of Jesus. That it was not God's belief that brought him to earth. It was not our wishing. It was God's faithfulness that he was going to make good on his promises. So as we talk about belief and doubt today, I, I first want to say that I've seen an absolutely massive amount of faith in our congregation. That I don't say this lightly, I think there has been a supernatural amount of belief in our family. In the care you have had for one another, in the hope we have shared together, there's been a lot of belief and a lot of faith, a lot of clinging to God and his promises. Yeah. And I want to stop and I want to thank God for his faithfulness. So will you pray with me? Jesus, you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. Thank you. Thank you that you sustain our belief. You sustain our faith. You hold the reins. And you have been so faithful to swell up in us belief that you are good, that you care and that you are with your church, your bride. So thank you, Jesus. All praise and glory goes to you. We cannot drum up enough faith. We cannot do that on our own. That has to come from you, and you have been supplying it richly. Thank you, God. To your glory, to your praise, for your namesake. Amen. So I'm thankful to God that he has provided a lot of faith. But I also don't want to presume that that's where we all are. Or that in the midst of experiencing hope and clinging to God and his promises, that there aren't pockets of our hearts still filled with unbelief. I think it's representative of the human condition that Zechariah wasn't so much questioning Gabriel or his, his being there in the temple, but um, this angel appearing out of nowhere, but that God, he questioned if God had the power to make an old barren womb fruitful. That we see him 
pursuing the promises of God in the temple, but when it comes to an angel proclaiming that God will enact something in the physical, that God will provide for him specifically a son, that that's when his unbelief starts drumming up. So I just want to ask, family, where is there unbelief in your heart today? Again, our prayer this morning is, God, I believe, help my unbelief. In the face of tragedy, are you questioning God's goodness, his sovereignty? Be honest with God about that. He can handle it. Or maybe God has faithfully shown you comfort and care and reminding you of who he is in this just sorrowful time. But like Zechariah, you have more practical unbeliefs in your heart. Like Zechariah, maybe it's that you long for a child. That you've been asking God for a deep friendship with other women or a mentor or a spouse and you're struggling to believe God has the power to enact change. Maybe you have children and you long for them to just obey and listen to you at least just like once. (laughs) Please. (laughs) It's interesting that Gabriel responds to Zechariah and says that God has heard his prayers. Zechariah was pleading that they were going to God and asking for a son. God heard those things, and he cares, and he responded. I want to take a few minutes this morning, and I want to discuss three doubts that I believe could find a foothold in our church. That we are in a season of drawing close together, and it has been so rich and so beautiful but I believe that, that Satan is actively pursuing our destruction. That Satan is angry that we are drawing in and not being scattered. That we are leaning into the promises of God. We are leaning in and relying on Jesus more. And so I believe that these attacks are coming. And these are three doubts that God has put on my heart this week. Three doubts that have been in my heart this week, and I want us to read through scripture and talk about them together. So those three things, those three doubts, is one, that God is not with us. Another lie, another doubt, is that God doesn't care. And the third is that Soma Tacoma is doomed, that our church is doomed. Remember that Zechariah means the Lord remembers, And Elizabeth means, my God is an oath. Well, the way we find healing for our unbelief is to bring it before the Lord in prayer as we cling to his promises, as we see that the Lord remembers. So for the bulk of our time today, we're going to simply remind ourselves of God's promises and his faithfulness in scripture. So first one, unbelief number one, doubt number one. God is not with us. The past three weeks, I've thought and I've assumed that I wasn't struggling with the idea that God is with us. I have, uh, I have experienced a tremendous amount of comfort 
by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. But there's been a lot of head knowledge for me that hadn't made it to my heart that God is with me. And I realized this, this Wednesday morning in a seemingly silly small event that it was 6 a.m. I was supposed to be heading to my DNA, uh, my like little small, small group, uh, submissional community. I don't know what we call them or how we describe it. But um, So I'm trying to get in my car and I put my backpack that has my keys in it because my car like just recognizes when the keys are close. Anyways, unlocks itself. So I put the key, my backpack in my car, my lunch for the day, and I close the door and I go take the garbage cans up to the top of our driveway because Wednesday is garbage day. And I come back to the car and it's locked. And I like see my only set of keys inside the car that's supposed to know and unlock when I get close. I've, no joke, found myself for the first time in three weeks actually crying out in my neighborhood, why, God, where are you? <laughs> like, it was, it was, like, actually kind of insane. Like, I was just going, like, why? Like, just yelling in my driveway. I came in just stomping and huffing, just huffing and puffing. Just like, why are you doing this? Like, where are you? And I realized... Again, that's because the truth that God is with us, that God is with me, I had just been hanging, it had been hanging out in my head, and I hadn't asked the Holy Spirit to really bring that into my heart, that he would help me experience and truly know that he is with me. So it bubbled up in a weird, silly way, because if you would have passed me a test that said, true or false, God is with us, like, definitely I would have checked true, but in some deep corner of my heart, I've been functioning like I'm alone, like I have been left to myself to pick up the pieces of grieving my friend and my mentor. In the same way, we see Zechariah trusting in God's promises in some big ways, but then also believing and unbelieving in others, doubting in others. So we do the same thing. I want to read us three passages in the Bible that combat this idea that God is not with us. And just a little bit of commentary on them afterwards. First one is Isaiah 41, 8 through 10. I just ask, hey family, let these verses wash over you. This is God's word. It is alive. Jesus is alive. He wants you to know this. So I just, I just ask, please, hear these words. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, please allow us to receive these words, because they are good. And they are your promise. So Isaiah 41, 8 through 10. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In these verses, we see that, yes, God is with us. God is with you. Do not fear, for I am with you. God proclaims. 
he also says, do not fear. We also see God, God promising to strengthen us and to help us and to uphold us. Who here is trying to uphold themselves? <laughs> Who here, like me these past three weeks, have found myself relying on my own strength? Finally, we take comfort in the fact that God chose us. He says it twice. I have chosen you. If you are in Christ, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, you are part of God's chosen people. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Family, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you experiencing unbelief today? That cannot separate you from Jesus. Your doubts, how proud of your faith you are, or if you're feeling, whether you're feeling high or low in your belief today, doesn't change the fact that God is with you, that there is nothing that can separate you from Jesus who loves you. He is with you. Last one for this unbelief that God is not with us. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. This verse will always remind me of Brittany Alvis, sometimes when she's led worship, I think she's talked about it a couple times, the children's book, Runaway Bunny, that there's this, yeah, this kid's book that a son is talking to his mom uh, that he's going to run away, and the mom keeps responding, well, I will pursue you, I will chase after you, that the kid says, well, I'm going to run away, and I'm going to become a fish, and I'm like going to go jump into a pond and swim away, and she says, well, then I will become a fisherman and I will come find you. This is the original runaway bunny. Psalm 139. Where can I go? For wherever I attempt to go, wherever I attempt to run, you will be there. Your right hand shall hold me. That is near. That's not just approximated distance. That is, your right hand will hold me. Let these verses wash over you, family. God is with us. He is near to us. Second doubt, that God doesn't care. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. A sneaky evolution of the idea that God isn't with us is that God doesn't care. 
Maybe you're at a place today where you're feeling like, yeah, okay, fine. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. And therefore, he is technically near me. But does he actually care about me? Does he care about where I am? Does he care about what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing right now? Or an unbelief I've even heard expressed in our family while speaking with some of you is that since you weren't close to Randy or at least as close as some others, that you have less of a right to be hurting so badly. You have less of a right to grieve. So what I'm hearing in that, too, is that God doesn't have capacity to comfort you because he's busy comforting other people that truly have a reason to grieve. That is a lie. Outside of our grieving of Randy, maybe you feel this way in general, that God doesn't care, that other people have bigger, more real problems, and God doesn't have the capacity to care for your seemingly smaller issues. This is a lie from Satan. God's arms are wide enough to hold us all. Jesus' death was powerful enough to take all of our sin and shame, to cleanse all of us. His resurrection was mighty enough to seal the victory with him in heaven for all of us. He now rules on the throne and advocates for all of us. He personally cares about you, and he cares for us, our church, Soma Tacoma. Which leads me to the third and final doubt you may be facing. Unbelief, doubt number three, that Soma Tacoma is doomed. God's been comforting me with a passage these past few weeks that seemed strange, but I've found it to be incredibly life-giving. In Ephesians 5.25, Paul is talking to husbands and, and imploring husbands to love their wives like Christ loves the church. I want us to read this verse together, to listen to this verse, and to cling to how Christ loves us. Christ loves the church. Hear those, hear how Jesus loves his church in these verses, family. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. How does Christ love his, love his church? He gave himself for her. He sanctifies her. He cleanses her with the washing of water, with the word. He is preparing us, Soma Tacoma, to be presented in splendor to himself. He is doing a work of holiness in us. 
He loves us as his own body. Your worship leaders, your musicians got together on Friday to grieve. And for some reason I was there too. You don't ever want me up here doing music. <laughs> I was just a spouse that tagged along. But uh, if you're like me, uh, something that we were kind of laughing about was that Randy often talked about Jesus being the head of the church. And that we were all kind of seeing that maybe some of us were feeling like, okay, yeah, Randy, thank you for sharing that, brother. But like, you're, you're still the dude at Soma Tacoma, right? Like, you're... St- Jesus is, the church, Jesus is the lead pastor, but you're kind of the, like lead pastor junior. <laughs> and it's been so powerful to see that even in the midst of heartache, even in the midst of a messy leadership structure, that Jesus is truly leading his church. I am experiencing that he is the head pastor of Soma Tacoma, that there has been an insane amount of leadership from Jesus in our church. Soma Tacoma is not doomed because we have our head pastor. We have the chief shepherd that Randy may be gone, but Jesus has never left us and will never leave us. So in closing, where do we go from here? i got to hurry up. What do we do with our unbelief? We bring it to Jesus. We see a wonderful example of this in Mark 9. A father is trying to find help for his son who has an evil spirit in him. He goes to the church, no luck. They can't help. He goes to the disciples, they can't help either. Everything else has failed. It's just him and Jesus now. He takes his son to Jesus. And he brings a feeble, help me if you can. How many of you are there right now? You've tried everything. You've been trying to muster up enough belief and fix things on your own with no luck. So let's see how Jesus responds. Let's see how this story plays out in verse, Mark 9, verse 23 and 24. And Jesus said to him, if you can... All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. This is the right prayer for the father in Mark 9 to cry out, and it's the right prayer for us to cry out as a family. Because this father knows where his help comes from. He is admitting that he cannot drum up the belief himself. Jesus, help my unbelief, he's crying out. Oftentimes when it comes to doubt or belief, we think we can muster it up ourselves. But after encountering Jesus, the father realizes it is only God that can help him with his unbelief. So to remind you of my key point today, that through Jesus, we have a God who can handle and heal our unbelief. Bring your unbelief to Jesus, family. Bring your doubts to Jesus. He can handle them. He wants to heal them. He wants to show you his care for you. So if you're struggling with belief right now, I've got a beautiful homework assignment for you. 
I urge you to read through the book of John and to highlight every time the word believe comes up. Because something you'll see, something you'll notice, that there's never an adverb or an adjective before or after believe. There is no fervently believe. There is no believe with everything you've got. Because that immediately makes it seem like it's something that we have the power over. That we can muster up ourselves. We can't. It is God who gives faith. Let us pray like the Father in Mark 9. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. We struggle with faith. We doubt. But we have a Savior in Jesus that lived a perfect human life of faith. Jesus perfectly believes in God the Father's plan in our place. He substituted his faith with our unbelief on the cross so that we may believe. He died for our unbelief. Then he rose again in victory over Satan, sin, death, and doubt. He conquers our doubts. He is bigger than our doubts. He puts them to death and he brings us new life. He ascended into heaven and now advocates on our behalf. He provides the faith. And finally, in this Advent season, we long for his second coming, for Jesus to return and call us home where our belief is perfected in him. So in closing, closing, three quick things. What do we do with our unbelief? We give it to Jesus above all else. He is the creator and sustainer of our faith. Then I want to exhort you, brothers and sisters, to take every thought captive, to armor up against Satan and his schemes. He wants to create unbelief in you. He wants to create division in us. The opposite of taking every thought captive is just letting your thoughts run wild. Take them before God. Take every thought captive family. Finally, let's stay on mission by being a family to one another and by sharing the good news to one another. Not just giving good, good advice to one another, but sharing the good news of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And to then go out into Tacoma and, and proclaim the richness of Jesus' love and his faithfulness. Ben, if you want to come up, that'd be great. Uh, we're going to move into a time of prayer. I want us to get into groups and reflect on, reflect on this. I'd love for you to get into groups of maybe five, six people in front of you, behind you, and pray that God would provide and sustain faith in this church, faith in this body. There will be a prayer uh, back there that if you don't know what to pray as a group, uh, John Piper has this prayer that I love. It says, oh Lord, thank you for my faith. Sustain it. Strengthen it. Deepen it. Don't let it fail. Make it the power of my life so that in everything I do, you get the glory as the great giver. Amen. So if you don't know what to pray as a group, I ask, please, you, know, you, can, you can pray that prayer. But let's pray for one another. Let's pray against Satan and his schemes that Jesus has the power to crush those schemes.
we know that he will be so faithful to care for us and provide ultimate victory. So let's get together and let's pray.